0: Well, this is Thanksgiving week, and today we have a a potluck after this service. So we'll walk down the sidewalk and go into the big hall if you are hungry at the end of the sermon. I've been known to preach and kill the appetite. Well, that won't happen, I hope. Uh, But to stir us in our spiritual appetite. So we have a couple introductory thoughts. So for our sermon today from Isaiah 40. So if you turn there with me, Isaiah chapter 40. This is the, in the Greek we have the word euangelion, the word for the gospel. I'll spell the word out for you. If I find it here. Eu a n g e l l i o n the translated good news or gospel and where is that in the old testament but in isaiah chapter forty we have a great chapter i really recommend reading you reading the chapter Maybe this afternoon or this week. Many times, why not read it? I don't know how you read your Bible, but you've got to develop that skill and discipline. As we have been saying, you enter the closet, Matthew 6, 6. Jesus said, when you pray, enter into the closet alone in the closet where you are with God and shut the door. And so we've had a few sermons in the last ten days or two weeks on that theme. Uh, I'm not sure, but it's so possible that you don't, li- you and I don't live in the good news of the gospel, and that'll be our theme today. It'll be how how common it is for us as people to live in the trifles of life. Trifles. Not truffles. (laughs) Trifles. Uh, Small details of life. Uh, Even large news events that maybe are are big. But but I live in a worry and fear easily and I'm troubled by this uh, small mindset that I have as a person because we have a sin nature. But if you have been coming here and heard the gospel, then you understand that you are born again. You're born of the Spirit. God is your Father Jesus is your savior. He is your big brother, your comforter. He is the one that sent the Holy Spirit into the world for us. In Isaiah chapter 40, we see an amazing comparison of God with the triteness, the the smallness of life that we have as people we are worried about so many different things. We could say in Psalm 119, 113, I hate vain thoughts. How, how, how small my, my life can be, my appetites, my lusts and passions, desires. And somehow you hate it. I mean, I mean, I love it. And at the same time, is there something better? Uh, something bigger for my thought life, some meditation that will that will enlighten my mind that will help me comfort me and teach me and of course, in a world that is troubled like ours, you have double you, you have inflation double digit inflation in some places, we have war we have um, Worries and fears about life, um, health issues, and um, our our housing, our job, or maybe a broken family. There are so many things that can reduce our life to something very small. But here comes a big but. But the Apostle Paul is telling us over and over again in his troubled life and the Apostle Paul had such a troubled life it would bury many of us if we even lived a small part of the life that he lived but he over and over again is saying that that no there is God there is God let me say that a different way you know, when you walk down the street in, or you, you're traveling or you're, you're at home or whatever and you have a $1 bill in your pocket, you have $1 and you live with the $1, that's one thing. And that's how many of us live. Like, I don't have much. I have $1. And it kind of illustrates something else. My, my psychology, my spirituality. Spirituality that I don't have much, that I'm small, that, that I'm not feeling good, that I'm buried, troubled, and so on. So, so take a photograph of that, and then just say, I don't know if you've ever had this, but have you ever had a lot of money in your pocket? Turn to your neighbor and ask him. Have you ever had, and by the way, do you have that with you today? (laughs) Now, maybe the illustration doesn't fit perfectly, but but bear with me. You now have $10,000 in your pocket. Cash. Cash. Please don't misunderstand me. I don't have that. <laughs> right now. Okay. Imagine you had a big you had a lot of money in your pocket. And now you are living and in this is what I want to say. There are many believers, they live and walk around the planet like they have one dollar. When actually, what the Apostle Paul is saying, in his troubled life, oh no, I know who I am and what I have. I have the gospel. I have this that God became a man, that he is for me, that he calls me by name, that he sent the Holy Spirit into our hearts, and he has said things to us that are ours. And my, my desire as a pastor, and I am, I, I'm sure that all the pastors in the whole world, they have this in their hearts, I hope that people, I hope the best for them and the best thing that could happen to them would be to understand what God has done for us. What he gave us, who we are, and how we relate to the world that we live in. And by the way, when your life gets buried, I'll put like pressure points here, when your life is buried in this troubled world we live in, do you know what people are looking for? They're like saying, is there a message? Does somebody have something? Does something somebody have, somebody have something to say to me? Can someone help me? Is there a messenger? Is there Christ? Is there God? Are there promises? Is it real? And if this is, and I'm saying to you, we have our ups and downs. We have our struggles in life. but We have an amazing resource. And, and the Lord wants us to relate to him this way. And it's our prayer. I talked to a young man yesterday. He's been in our church all his life. And he 's struggled recently the last couple of years, struggled with uh, a lot of vices, a lot of and then reduced to a very small life, like i've got one dollar, like as an example to illustrate the point i 'm reduced, I got nothing, I got nothing but but I remember. The things that I have heard, and I'm going to humble myself. I'm going to embrace God with all my heart. And it happened to him. He moved to like to this. We could say this big, big life. He, it happened to him in his spirit and in his heart. He's so filled with joy now. He is so released. He's so encouraged. And I, of course, that's what we are talking about and um, and that's it Lord Jesus we pray you would bless this service and minister to us we are indeed actually very very wealthy because of the gospel not with cash and money but something much more important with your name your glory your spirit our purpose our destiny our relationships with you and each other bless our service in Jesus name amen so galatians it's really a book about how people have turned from the gospel to another gospel but it is not really another of the same kind it's something else it's how we have a tendency to go from something really good great awesome to something smaller or trite or insignificant or not valuable like maybe the ten thousand dollars in my pocket and what it means to go to like the one dollar Story, the trifles of life, and how we can shift. And it happened to these people. And Paul is writing to them very, he's actually angry as he writes about how could you do this? How could you be given so much and then start to relate to God through? Works and by guilt and by fear and by the smallness of our own heart and minds. Like the religions of the world are very small compared to ours. If you become a a student of theology and understand the different religions and philosophies of the world, you understand how it is it is not good news, it's just news, just information. So here he said in chapter one, verse four, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world. Could we read that together? Ready? One, two, three. Who gave himself for our sins? That he might rescue us from this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father. Let's do it one more time. Who gave himself for our sins. Loud, let's do it loud. Who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God. And our father, whoa, you guys, that's good, that's good. What is the present evil world that we have been rescued? The word deliverer is also translated, he rescued us. Like out of a burning house or out of the water, drowning in the ocean, we are rescued We were in a present evil world. We are in it now, but we are rescued from it or delivered from it. We've been pulled out. We have been translated to the kingdom of God's dear son. This is extraordinary, incredibly powerful, very meaningful to us, very important. This has happened. Look at verse uh, six, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Another gospel, different one. Another gospel. The religions of the world are like another gospel Hinduism, Buddhism, Judaism, Islam. It's another message. Legalism, it's another message. It's not the gospel. So let's talk about the gospel this morning and define it for us. Let's look at where it is in the Old Testament first, Isaiah 40. We did turn there in the beginning, but we didn't read from it. But it's chapter 40. And as I was saying, this chapter is... Really instructive, really amazing chapter 40, verse 1. Comfort ye, comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished. Well, what, is, what does this mean? But that God is talking to the Jews who have had difficulties with the Assyrians and other nations around them, and they've gone into captivity with Assyria, and, and they need comfort. Like today, we have the tension between the Arab nations and Israel, as we know, and this has been their history. it's been the way it is it's the uh, It's spiritual and also uh, very instructive for us it's It's learning, and here he is saying to Israel, "I am God. I am God." so let's say here's a person, you and I with a little our, our world. It may be the most important thing that have most important thing that I talk about. There's like a pressure a little bit. There's uh, we got our money, our politics, our culture, inflation. Maybe NFL football. Um, maybe uh, my common language, my friends, my family relationship. It's all like a small world, like Israel. But the Lord is saying to Israel, wait a minute. Do you know who I am? I am God. You can stop right there. With your imagination. By the spirit of God. Your heart is bigger. I want to know what does God say? Who is God? What is he saying to me? And he says here, verse 9. O Zion That bring us good tidings. Good tidings is that word Ewangelion, this word that I wrote out for you. Where is it this one? Yeah. Good tidings, I bring you good tidings. Remember when Jesus was born, the angels said that. The gospel. Now, Paul uses this word this is in the Greek the Septuagint he uses this word in his epistles sixty times he he's the he 's the one that is using the word the most the gospel, the power of God unto salvation the good news to who the people the people that are in trouble, the people that are that are that are worried. The people that are under pressure, the people that are opposed, the people that are persecuted, or the people that are poor, or the people that have the one dollar in their pocket. Those people, common people, people, us. The, the, the guy on the cross that was dying next to Jesus. Good news for you. Good news. What, why? Who? What, where is this good news coming from? It's not coming from us. It's coming from him. It's coming from Zion, the city of David. Well, what came from there? The resurrection of Jesus Christ. The presence of Jesus Christ. The Pentecost came to Jerusalem. Where, where, where did it go? It went into all the world. What is it? It's the good news. What is it? It's the forgiveness of sin. It's the favor of God. It's the grace of God. Not law, grace, forgiveness, comfort, mercy, forgiveness, kindness, gentleness. Now, look at this chapter with me. We've got two parts that I want you to... Notice chapter 40, and again, read it through the month if you want of, of uh, November, or December. Read the chapter and just make little, study the words and, and develop that skill in your personal life of reading and meditating on the word. Here we have chapter 40, verse uh, 9. O Zion, that brings good tidings. Get up into the high mountain, O Jerusalem, that brings good tidings. Lift up your voice with strength. Lift it up, be not afraid. Say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. That's the key. That's the key. Behold your God. What about the God's? The gods that you read about in the Old Testament, let me put down a couple of names. There was Molech, you sacrificed your children to him. There was uh, Chemosh, there was Ashtar. Ashtar was a a woman god. Um, You have uh, Baal, a fertility god. You have gods, but who are they? Tell me, who you, who are you? Go ahead. Tell me, who are the, those guys? No, don't answer me. I, I'm just saying rhetorically. Like, who are you? Like, what is your message? And I said in the early service, and I've traveled a lot, as many of us have in different parts of the world, but I've never had a Hindu come up to me to try to convert me to Hinduism. I've never had a Buddhist come I've never had a communist come and tell me their message. I've always gone to them. but They haven't come to me. But why don't they come to us? Why don't they come and evangelize us? Why, why don't they come with their message? And the answer is what? Well, they don't have much of a message. It's usually if you want to be a Buddhist, this is what it is. If you want, if you are interested, you can do this or do that if you are a Hindu, and so on. But what do you do? What is your message? What is in your heart? When the Holy Spirit shows you that you have $10,000 in your pocket, and you're walking around in this world with this kind of sense of value, identity, sorry to use money, but... It's easy to illustrate it. It doesn't have to do with the money. It has to do with that, that sense of favor, that you have favor, that you are God's, that God is your father, that God gave you the gospel, that good news, that he gave us his son. And if he gave us his son, how could he not with him also freely give us all things in Romans eight thirty two. but let's read this chapter look at who God is he says behold your God verse 9 man what a word that is isn't it? behold your God please Jesus show me who are you he says verse 10 behold the Lord God will come with a strong hand and his arm will rule for him behold his reward is with him And his work before him. When, when, Lord, when did that happen? Did it happen? He came with a strong hand when they were in Egypt. He brought them out of Egypt by a strong and mighty hand. When, Lord, he had a strong hand with David. And he gave David victory after victory. When, Lord, when did you come with a strong hand? John the Baptist came, and we see God came with John the Baptist, and he introduced to us Christ who came with a strong hand. Verse 12, it says, or 11, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd. When did you feed your flock? I am always feeding my flock. I, I am doing that in Jeremiah 23, 4, with wisdom and understanding. I'm always feeding my flock. My sheep hear my voice, and I call them by name, and they know my voice. I'm always feeding my flock. I'm always caring for broken people. I'm always caring for people that have just the one dollar in their pocket, and they feel very down. I feel defeated I have a mood that comes over me. I feel I cannot make it. I feel like I want to disappear. I withdraw. And many times that happens to us as people. We withdraw. I feel we feel defeated. But look at what he says here. He will feed the flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs with his arm. Lambs are real weak. You can knock a lamb over easily, push it over. It falls over. It's a small animal, but he holds it in his arm, in his bosom. He carries them in his bosom and shall gently lead those that are with young. Those that are pregnant, those that are nursing the lambs, the ewes, that are nursing, he will gently lead them. Not drive them, but he will gently lead them. Because uh, our God is not a tyrant. Our God is not a senile old man in a cosmic rocking chair, like looking at the universe and falling asleep. Our God never sleeps. He never slumbers or sleeps. Our God is leading the flock. Our God is feeding the sheep. Our God is carrying the lambs in his bosom. Our God is caring for the weakest one here. The one with the one dollar. And we walk around dragging ourselves around in this world. Dragging ourselves with trifles and small things. Now look at verse 12, you flip over to the whole cosmos and we say, who is God? Verse 12, who has measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Well, how deep is the Pacific Ocean? How deep is the Pacific Ocean? It's the deepest ocean, seven miles deep. And where is it? In the hollow of his hand. It's nothing to God. God. How about the whole starry universe, the cosmos? It's there too, verse twelve it says, and he he has meted out heaven with the span the heaven heaven a span in the ancient world, the measurement of a span was the width of your fist, so this is a cubit from from here to your elbow is a cubit, and the span is a small measurement and he's saying i have measured out the heavens with a small measurement for me because i am god the universe is nothing to me i am god the oceans are nothing to me i am god so here's the the par- the uh the beautiful uh spectrum of his kindness carrying a lamb in his bosom And he's personal and caring to being the king of the universe. And it is actually nothing to him because he is so great. Verse 12. The dust of the earth in a measure weighed the mountains and the scales and the hills in a balance. And that's not enough. He wants to say something more. Who has directed the Spirit of the Lord? Who, or being his counselor, has taught him? Who has taught God? Who has been his counselor? Who told God how to make things and do things and unfold history and raise up kings and armies? And who taught God? to have a Garden of Eden and have Adam and Eve. And who taught God? Who told God what to do? No, no, none of us, obviously. We must be very small in our eyes. We need to be. I've told it many times. Maybe you've heard me say it, but I'll say it again. Teddy Roosevelt was a governor of New York State, yeah, and he was a young man, brilliant man. He read a book, one book every day. He was extremely intelligent and very capable man. But when his new wife, he got married, I think when she he was twenty four, and she, in in her having a child, she died. And Teddy Roosevelt got very depressed because he loved his wife, and they were new new marriage. And um, she died having the baby, and. And he tells a story that he just left New York and went to the Dakotas to be a cowboy for a while, just to get away. And he would be under the big sky. And he said he would just stare up in the sky until he got very small. When he got very small, you, you, you see what, he, what he's thinking. I, I, the world isn't around, centered on me there 's something bigger than me in this world. This is what God is saying here, isn't he? I am God. You are not. I do my work. You listen to me, follow me, and trust me so he He did that for two years. He was a cowboy and then he came back to politics and then became. President of the United States and he said as president of the White House he would do the same thing. He would go outside, look up in the sky until he became very small. What a great story. Yeah. The Lord is saying to the Jewish people, I am God and I am I am for you. But you have to be humble and hear me and understand me I'm speaking to you he talks about the nations are a drop in the bucket in verse 15 he then says in verse 18 to whom then will you liken God or what likeness will you compare him how unique he is what he has done verse 25 whom then will you liken me or shall I be your equal Okay, now we come to the gospel. What is it that God has done for us? Something extraordinary. And at Christmas season, we celebrate it. So turn with me to finish this. It's First Timothy 3, verse 16. Really Lord how do i know how do i know that i have i have the i have how do i know that i have this how do i know that you are for me how do i know that this is the this gospel is unique and and very different and special it's just there's there's six things here in this verse in verse 16 without controversy great is the mystery of godliness so we have the meaning without controversy means without contest it can't be argued can't be debated debated is incontrovertible it can't be changed it's incredible it's called the mystery this is a important word mystery of godliness one of the things that makes your life small is that you only live by reason and i don't think you do and i don't think any of us really do but we think we do we only live by reason or oh, you package your life in in small ways you only live for We only live like in the limitations of the natural life. That's enough for me. All I need is a house, a job, and a refrigerator, and a car, and some gasoline, and that's all that I need. That's how people are. All I need is my NFL football team. All I need is a phone call once in a while. All I need is a dollar in my pocket. I'm good to go. That's all that I need, and I understand Reducing my life. But your life will be eaten up by trifles. Small things that will irritate you and bother you. You're small. If you shoot for the small life, you will get it. And much smaller, you'll be amazed at how small your world can be. And I'm not happy about it, but I'm telling you, there are things about life that we must learn. And one of them is this. God is saying to us, you need me and I'm for you and I love you and I could not do more for you than what I did. It is a great mystery. This word is important. Mystery. You can't package it. Can't figure it out. We are laboring this morning kind of gathering and we're kind of trusting and we're asking God to reveal to us himself. It must be shown. It has to be revealed because it's a mystery. We have to understand it by faith. We, We live by faith. You came here today by faith. You're looking for God. We all are. Where is he? He is here. And he's speaking to us through the scripture. And he's saying something. And what happened to me in the beginning of my Christian life was I got something. That, I, 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 that That's good. I need that. Is that true? And I would hear, yes, that's true. And my sister and my brother. And by the way, your friends are an important part of your new life. Your friends and who you are what you talk about. Is there, there are certain skills that are developed in your life so that you go from a one dollar bill a guy, one dollar bill guy to a, a wealthier kind. From a guy that kind of gets hurt a lot or troubled a lot or worried a lot to something more. And you start being carefree. You actually find real freedom where the truth will set you free. And you'll be free indeed. Not political freedom or financial freedom or circumstantial freedom, but spiritual freedom. You'll be free indeed. You're kind of your, your, yourself like kind of starts to blossom like a flower in the sunshine. Like something starts to develop. How, how about your, your skills and how about your gifts developing as a person? You have gifts you don't even know about. But when you walk with Christ, walk with God, those gifts start to surface. And the Lord gave gifts to the body of Christ. And you have a gift of wisdom. You have a gift of knowledge. You have a gift of mercy. You have a gift of faith. You have a gift of healing. You have a, you have a, um, a ministry. That's developed in your life because you are living with God. Great is the mystery of this. The world does not know about it. It is revealed to us through God, through the spirit of God. It's good news. Let's read it. It says, verse 16, here it is. God was manifest in the flesh, number one. This is Christmas time. God was manifest in how the flesh he became a man the infant the baby was actually infinite god he was infinite he is god that baby was god mary did you know That when you touched or kissed the face of Jesus, you were touching, you're kissing the face of God. Did you know that? (laughs) What a beautiful song, huh? Great is that mystery that God became a man. Is this good news? What religion has that? What philosophy has that? What's the university teaches? Where's the message of the gospel? And yet the gospel is the power of God unto salvation. It changes the heart of a person. It opens up their life. They suddenly got something in their pocket they never knew that they had before. They suddenly realize, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about God, I'm thinking about God, I'm worshiping God, and that has never happened to me before. I was brought up Catholic, and I would say the name Jesus Christ in my prayers. I would say the Our Father, and so on. And when I was born again, I was 19 years old, I started to say Jesus like I'd never said that name before. It was like, Jesus, that name... Was like honey poured forth, like ointment poured forth, right? You kiss me, let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for what his love is as sweet or as good as wine and Song of Solomon. Okay, let's go to the verse. Verse 16 God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. That means. When Jesus was here, the Holy Spirit brought him here. Gabriel said, "Gabriel said to Mary, that it were, the the see that holy thing that will be born of you shall be called the Son of God. When the Holy Spirit comes upon you." And the whole that holy thing that would be born conceived in you will be called the Son of God. And Jesus grew up and the Spirit was with him and he grew in wisdom in Luke two fifty two. And then another thing was um he was water baptized and the Spirit came upon him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son in whom I am well pleased. And as he went around doing his good works and his healings and so on, Luke four twenty-two, they were amazed. And then when he was hanging on the cross, it was the Spirit that held him there. In Hebrews 9, 14, he was crucified in weakness in Second Corinthians thirteen, five, and he died for us, and this was the Holy Spirit. As he trusted the Father, the Holy Spirit anointed him to do this and, and this is the this is the good news for what who what God could do this but the living God, Almighty God, the only wise God, the humble God, one the God that made the universe with the whole thing, and then he carries a lamb in his arms. This is the God. That gave us this gospel, verse sixteen he was seen of angels. they sang when he was born in Luke chapter two, the angels came and went upon him in John one fifty one The angels were with him in Gethsemane, strengthening him, and before Pilate he said, "I could call ten thousand angels' And they would deliver me, but I did not come. These are my words now, but I did not come to be saved from you. I came to save the world by my sacrifice. He was preached unto the Gentiles. That's at Pentecost. And after in the book of Acts, in chapter 8, Samaritans. Chapter 10, Cornelius in Joppa. And Caesarea, then up in Antioch, and then Thomas went to India, Philip to the Middle East. He was preached to the Gentiles, and it's gone to Korea, Russia, India, Philippines, all over all over the world. He was believed on in the world, and they believed him. They believed the gospel. And he was received up into glory and seated at the right hand of God. Do you believe? That there is power to save. There is power from God to take a sinful person and forgive them. Give them a new birth. Do you believe that this is real? Do you believe it? I've seen it over and over again like Pastor Shabelli has seen it in so many here. We have seen it in other countries and we see it here in Baltimore. We enjoy it very much to share to love people and encourage them. And now is a great season to be sharing this great message with people and saying, let me finish and say this. Do you know that people are suffering with the trifles here, these trifles that they're so worried about the economy and the politics and everything? They're so worried and they, they don't know where to turn. They, there's so much research coming out about the social media and all of the confusion. And people are troubled and they can't concentrate and, and study and read and many things uh, that we say, fine, that's the world we live in. But I've got something. I'm, I'm walking. I'm seeing it develop. I'm learning it. I am focused on it. I got it going on in my heart. I read about it. I have my friends. We talk about it. We fellowship with each other. We live by faith. Some of us want to go to other parts of the world and share the message and see God work in the hearts of people. I had a friend in the Central Asia, and it's an Islamic country called Turkmenistan. The desert heat was 157 degrees Fahrenheit in the desert. I mean, it's a desert country and very hot. Whoa. Anyway, he went to see his mother and he said, I became a Christian. She said, you can't. He said, Mom, I, 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 I am. I believe in Jesus. No, you can't. You're a Muslim. Your father and your uncle's will be very angry with you that you cannot. He goes, Mom, I am a believer in Jesus. I am, I cannot deny it. Now, how did that happen? It's the gospel. That's what happened to him. He heard the gospel. It changed his life. So he had to leave home, and he's a friend of mine, and and he came to Hungary, and he lived there, went to Bible school, and then he went back again, to try to reach his family to visit, and, and his father was angry with him, and his uncle threatened him, and a sad story, and then he left again, and then it went on for a while, and he loved his family and so on. But here's the point. I would say to him, like, really? Is Jesus real for you? And he'd go, he is. Jesus, God, is real for me. He is. That's amazing. It's true. And then he takes your life and he, he, he leads your life. He helps you. He answers prayers. He ministers to you. He puts you in a church and you have friends and sisters and brothers. You learn things. You start to read. You start to learn and think about things. You start to worship and pray, and then you have these good talks and conversation, and you share your faith with other people, and you just help them in there because you love them. You love them. Evangelism isn't anything other than just loving people. I would like you to have not like you got one dollar in your pocket. That's all that you got in life. That's all you have, and I want you to know that God is for you. That God is humble. God is not a tyrant. He is not hard. He is not difficult. Just trust him. He'll answer you. Amen. Would you pray with me? <clears throat> you're here this morning and you want Jesus in your life, greatest thing could ever happen to you in your whole life, your whole life. Some people, the thing they want is their their political party to win, or they want their NFL team to do real good in the playoffs, or the highest thing that they have is like a pay raise, or buying a boat, or uh, getting a gun, or a chainsaw, or winning in a chess game, or getting a degree, or some highest thing in their life is finding having a family, or getting or living long, or having vitamins, or lotions for their skin, or something. The highest thing they have is of this earth. But what God is giving us is not from this earth, it's from Him to you. I say in your heart, I want you, Jesus. Come into my life. Save me. Forgive me. Speak to my heart. Lead me, I pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.